I'm just curious about if, if we have winters that are typically in the future milder than this past winter. So let's say if we move ahead to where we expect to be about 2050, the winters presumably will be warmer. Is that going to change any situation on the, on the pests that uh, trouble trees? Yeah, we have reasons to think that uh, warmer and wetter, specifically in the in the early spring, are going to increase the amount of pests and pathogens, and so enhance the level of stress that the trees experience. It's a difficult thing to predict, and we don't have really good data on. Um, you know, trees also have pretty vigorous defense systems for dealing with pests and pathogens. But in general, it is safe to say that warmer and wetter conditions do tend to favor uh, more pathogens and pests. I'm just wondering, do the trees respond at all to the increase in the carbon dioxide level um, that we have now? So, you know, we're at historic highs, 410 parts per million. Do the trees respond in any particular way? Trees typically respond uh, positively in terms of their growth to rising atmospheric carbon dioxide concentrations. And we've known that for a long time, and, and there's some evidence that over the last you know, 50 to 100 years, um, in addition to other factors that can certainly stimulate tree growth, rising CO2 has promoted what's called, often called the CO2 fertilization effect, whereby they can take that carbon dioxide and they photosynthesize, they take that up and turn that into sugars, and through that process can allocate more of that to wood and, and grow bigger. So there's clearly evidence, some evidence that our forests are being fertilized with carbon dioxide. And this is not just our forest. This is all plants or most land plants across the planet are benefiting to some degree by the CO2 fertilization. Now, it's important to note that not all tree species respond the same to increases in carbon dioxide. Some tree species uh, grow better than others and, and more in response to that, and that's largely because trees need other things in addition to carbon dioxide. They need light, they need water, they need nutrients. And so the degree to which those other resources are available can have a big effect on how well they respond. And in the cases of water and nutrients, some tree species are better adapted or better at accessing nutrients and water from the soil. And those are the ones that tend to grow better when exposed to these rising CO2 conditions. So that factor alone can affect forest dynamics in terms of which tree species are going to grow bigger and uh, come to dominate in a future landscape. So it does become a challenge to model some of these effects or to predict some of these effects because you have the changing climate, which is largely uh, temperature and precipitation. There's the seasonality, the changes of those of the rain patterns. And then you also have other factors like carbon dioxide, which is slowly and steadily rising, and nitrogen pollution, which comes in from the atmosphere and in some cases can enhance the growth and productivity of trees, but also can uh, cause trees to decline in productivity depending on the species. So it's a complicated mix of factors and it's sort of the thing, some of the things that we're trying to unpack with our present studies and with different modeling analyses because it's very difficult to hold one factor constant. You can't just have rising CO2 and not have climate change. You can't just have warming without rising CO2. So we're trying to investigate some of these with experiments and with some of our uh, mathematical models. Is there an effect of ozone on the forests? 
because we've had several days of high ozone recently. Yeah, ozone's another factor, and that one goes in the other direction. That's ozone uh, negatively affects uh, leaf-level biochemistry and, and reduces uh, the uptake of CO2 and, and can cause growth declines in, in tree species. So certainly ozone is on the side of things that are detrimental to forest productivity, whereas CO2 and nitrogen can potentially be on the side of things that enhance productivity. And then, you know, climate can have variable impacts depending on if it's warmer and wetter versus warmer and drier. And then you factor in pathogens, and it becomes a very difficult thing to predict exactly how productive the forest will be in the future. And so that sort of gets back to my second takeaway point, which is that the forest will function differently, is that we have a lot of data so far that we've accumulated because things are already undergoing a lot of change, both in terms of climate and CO2 and other factors. Um, And so some of those functional changes relate specifically just to climate. So an example of that is the growing season trends that we've observed at Morgan Monroe State Forest, where over the last 15 or so years, we've seen a lengthening of the growing season in terms of the duration of time that trees have leaves on them, so they're able to take up carbon from the atmosphere. That's slowly and steadily increased. But at the same time, concurrent with that, we've seen a shorter duration of what we call the wood season, which is effectively the number of days where trees are putting on wood growth that are growing radially and actually you know, increasing in biomass. Most of the biomass of a tree is stored in its wood, and that's often what we care about, too, in the, in the sense of forest products and, and providing um, you know, greater um, resources for, for organisms in the forest. And so the, uh, the wood season has declined, and we think that relates to this trend of the drying summertime conditions where, over time, We've had a increasing uh, trend toward warming conditions in the midsummer, and but as things have been drying, and that's both drying in terms of less rain, but also in terms of drying atmospheric conditions. So trees also lose water from their stomates when it's very when the air is very dry, so not very humid. And as you warm the air, you typically dry the air, and so. Uh, there's water stress that's imposed not just only from the amount of precipitation, but from the amount of drying of the air. And so our forests have been uh, photosynthesizing less at Morgan Monroe over time, in large part because of these warming and summer drying conditions. So even though we're having a longer growing season in the sense of there's more leaves on the trees or, or the number of days where tr- where leaves are on the trees, it's actually... Uh, not necessarily resulting in greater wood production, and in some cases has resulted in less wood production over the same period. Is there anything else you'd like to relate to our listeners about the future of forests in Indiana? Forests are, are an incredible resource and are, provide many services, both ecosystem services that they provide benefits to storing carbon and for providing habitat for wildlife and minimizing water pollution of our aquatic systems. But they also provide enormous cultural and aesthetic benefits that we take advantage of and often take for granted. And it's important to consider the all of these factors and thinking about how the forest may change, how some of these ecosystem services that forests essentially provide for us for free um, may be 
vulnerable under some of these predicted climate changes. So given that those factors, I, I think it's important for listeners to keep in mind all the services that forests can provide and thinking about how some of those services potentially may change under a changing climate. Where can they find this report? Yeah, this report is available online, Purdue University, Indiana Climate Change Impacts Assessment. That's the, the full name of the assessment and the URL, I won't give it to you now because probably listeners won't get it right, but if you Google uh, Purdue Indiana Climate Change Impacts Assessment or just Indiana Climate Change Impacts Assessment, uh, you can download the forest report. There are four reports that are available right now. There's a climate report, which focuses just on that statistical downscaling of how the climate in Indiana is predicted to change. There's a report on the health consequences. There's one on forests, and there's also one on urban green space and infrastructure. And over the course of the next couple of months, there'll be new reports coming out on aquatic ecosystems, agriculture, energy, other sectors, tourism, recreation, for example. Um, so I encourage listeners to keep up on the updates of those reports as they become available and uh, asking questions if they have them. I'd like to thank you for your insight. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Norm.